All right, welcome back to Inside Flicks. It's that time again for our weekly box office report. This is where we delve into the specifics of the last weekend's box office figures. So let's jump right in. Rich, could you please share with us the top five movies this past weekend? Well, this past Father's Day weekend did not turn out well for anybody, really. Uh, the Flash is number one with 55.7 million. Number two is Elemental with 29.6 million. Number three is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse with 27.2 million. Number four is Transformers Rise of the Beast with 20.7 million. And round of the top five is The Little Mermaid with 11 million. All right, we got to talk about the shocker of the of this past weekend. That yeah. horrible number that we're getting for Elemental. No, no, <laughs> no. no, no, no. <laughs> we got two big wide releases movies this past weekend and two big disappointments. Uh, yeah. Should we start with The Flash? Let's talk about The Flash. That's the big one. Why did this movie disappoint so much? I have no idea. Um, yeah. There, I mean, I guess there's a bunch of reasons why, but I just thought going into uh, going into the weekend um, that this was going to be a massive opening. I thought it was going to, you know, pretty much pretty much what the movie made worldwide. I thought that was going to be the domestic opening, and um, I don't know. I think it has to be, you know, probably you know Ezra Miller, mm-hmm. probably also you know the fact that James Gunn is like rebooting the DC universe. You know, all the the news of that probably doesn't help, and um, I think a lot of people have are are officially just kind of burnt out on dc movies and it's kind of like in this uh transformers situation right where transformers used to be like this you know very successful franchise and now you know now you know look at rise of the beasts having a 66.1 percent drop i mean yeah they both fall in the category of been there done that um but this is a huge fatigue for the flash i mean we heard that it was going to be an estimate of like 75 i believe it was like during the week uh, from what i'm hearing the, the flash is, is is still a good movie and and we saw it and i i i was even floored that it was even better than i thought it was going to be so well, it's, a, it's, it's a highly entertaining movie uh and yeah. and it's it's i would say it's like the perfect popcorn movie mm-hmm. for the summer and it is the summer but it seems like people don't really care about it. And I think a lot of it had to do with a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could Let's start with like Ezra Miller's controversial scandals that had happened. I think it plays a part in, in the box office disappointment. But very small But part. I think, it's, I mean, yeah, it's not in the, in the way that many people assume. In reality, I think people are now really aware of what Ezra did in the past. Mm-hmm. Because I think Ezra Miller is not necessarily a big star or a big name. Um with that being said, I think it didn't help, and it wasn't very be- beneficial because Ezra had to be missing from the promotional of this movie, and so it really forced WB and DC to take action and and really come up with different promotional uh, strategies, which didn't really help. I mean, I think I think pushing this movie back to this year because initially it was supposed to come out last year was a big mistake. No, but it was. But now, you know, after seeing the movie, I mean, don't you think that was probably also to improve the effects? Well, I think uh, uh, Warner's uh, already decided that they put way too much money into the film. I mean, it's it's, the, it's been sitting basically for three years, so uh, I'm pretty sure they wanted to put it out as is and um, uh, sure there was a lot of complaints about the CGI, but that could be that could also be a matter of taste with the director Andy Muschietti. Uh, sure, it didn't it didn't want to be <laughs> look that bad, but uh, regardless, I mean CGI is is not that uh, um, to me at least it's not that uh, it, um, necessary necessary. I mean, if the film is good, I overlook CGI automatically. The, the problem with the Flash is a couple of things, right? We got the the, the whole Ezra Miller thing. Uh, the fact that Ezra was not available to promote the movie because of the the mm-hmm. controversy. 
Uh, also, I, I think you know pushing it, the movie back was a, a a mistake, but hindsight is twenty twenty. We also got to talk about the fan base. I think that we got a fractured fan base in, in DC because you have a fractured fan base. I think that didn't help with the with the promotion of this movie because especially when you can't promote a movie because the star has a, is going through scandal, you have mm-hmm. to rely on the fan base to kind of gener- generate some buzz or create some awareness. And because of that fracture, it wasn't really there. I think also you got to take in the fact that I think WB really dropped the ball of really showcasing the return of Michael Keaton. Yes. I, I never felt like the, there was an excitement for the return of Michael Keaton uh, leading up to the release of this movie. I think since the movie opened, it's been having a bit of, you know, bad word of mouth. Yeah. Um, during all the initial screenings, like the mo- the version of the movie they showed at CinemaCon and at all the uh, fan events and stuff, basically all leading up to the week of release, um, everything that everybody saw an, an altered version of the movie mm-hmm. that didn't show a cameo at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And um, I've seen a lot of people online. Like if you look at like kind of like uh, these like kind of online, like um, fan kind of ratings and stuff like that for the movie, everyone's saying, or not everyone, but a lot of people are saying that they really like the movie a lot until the final scene, because the final scene feels like, you know, kind of like an insult to the fans. Right. And um, I kind of understand why because i kind of had the same reaction to the movie mm. and the truth is the movie does kind of end with a, a kind of a joke ending um i don't think it's supposed to be taken so kind of like literal mm. um but it you know the unfortunate thing is that you know we we have heard like you know i i, I don't know if it was james Gunn, but we have heard uh, somebody say maybe it was andy muschietti say that if the movie is you know successful that you know we will get a sequel to this movie and you know maybe we'll get a more satisfying conclusion, but um, how do you think that's going to happen with this opening? No, no, no. I think the, the, this part of the, the DCEU is pretty much over. And this is kind of a, a poor way to end it. Well, it's not ending yet. It's still got Aquaman to go. That's true. Unfortunately with this number, I think it really, it really puts Aquaman and maybe the rest of the DC films in jeopardy. I don't think Blue Beetle looks good right now. It's not looking good for Blue Beetle. In, in regards of its opening weekend, I think it's... But then again, Blue Beetle doesn't have the same budget problems or the same uh, pressures. Pressures. I think Blue Beetle is going to actually be successful because, um, like like you were just saying, Mike, it doesn't have that big of a budget, right? It was yeah. originally made for HBO Max film, and I think because it's going to have a low budget... It's really gonna save it. I mean, the one thing that saved the first Shazam because the first Shazam wasn't a massive success either. Yeah, yeah. But it, they kept that budget low. Yeah. And it was able to, you know, be successful because of that. Um, let me ask you this about the Flash and maybe its possible reasons of why it didn't do well. A lot of the references in the movie is skewed to an older audience, you know. And I'm not just talking oh. about Michael Keaton as an as yes. the older Batman. Do you think people just did not get like some of the references and people just think the movie was okay because they did not get the inside jokes that featured in the movie? I do think that has an effect on the movie because mm-hmm. when, because I saw, I've seen this movie a few times already. And when I saw it during like the early screenings and stuff, the reaction was always very, very positive, but that's all kind of like movie fans, especially, you know, there was definitely a lot of, you know, Michael Keaton, Batman fans and definitely people that grew up with that movie. 
and even people that watched it, you know, when it opened. So everyone got those jokes. <laughs> but uh, when I saw the movie on, you know, opening night, um, you know, the on Thursday with a lot more uh, kind of just average moviegoers and stuff, there were a lot less laughs. And especially there's a sequence in this movie that feels like kind of t- taken right out of uh, something like Hot Tub Time Machine. And um, that whole sequence got like no laughs in the... Uh, in the opening night audience, unlike, you know, the, the fan events that I went to. So I found that, I found that very interesting, but at the same time, all of that is the very same reason why I thought Top Gun Maverick wasn't going to be, you know, this massive success. Mm. So I don't know if that really matters because, you know, Top Gun, you know, was massive. Yeah. I, I, I still don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I, I know, I mean, you could say it's just because it was a good, solid piece of, uh, of entertainment. Mm-hmm. I don't know why younger people- cinema. Yes, and I don't understand why younger people would want to see Top Gun Maverick multiple times. I still don't haven't unraveled that kind of uh, question. Like you were saying, uh, Raymond, that you know a lot of people didn't get the inside jokes or these references. I think you see a reflection of that of some of the cinema scores that we're getting. Uh, what was that cinema score, Rich? B. It was a cinema score of a B, which is not great for a superhero movie. Yeah, not good at all. And I think, and I think a lot of people are coming out of it saying it's just an okay movie. You know, personally, because I I am a fan of Michael Keaton as Batman, mm-hmm. and I really loved how this movie kind of kind of rekindled my appreciation for his his work as Batman. Mine never went away. <laughs> but I mean, uh, uh, I I love the re- I love the references, the callbacks, and all that stuff. But yeah, would it have been too. better if, let's say, if they would have gotten Christian Bale as Batman in this movie? Would that have worked? I think so. I think so, but there's no way that he would have done it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think he would do, uh, would have done it. Oh yeah, so I, it's it's very interesting when when a, a movie like this, which had so much potential and doesn't and it does poorly, you know, it's very hard to figure out what worked and what didn't work. I think I think some of the trailers may have hurt the movie itself. I mean, there were certain scenes in the trailers where we saw Michael Keaton say some some catchphrases, fan servicey lines. Yeah, yeah. Which I would have kind of liked to have seen it for the first time while watching the movie. In the where, movie? Yeah, I think it would have uh, had a bigger effect. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, but they, 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 you could tell those scenes were specifically shot almost like for trailer moments. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I don't disagree, but I mean, I, I, I really like the trailers for this movie. I, I think part of the thing also is the awareness for this movie was just, I, I think, wasn't there. Because while the trailers for the movie are very, very good, and I think definitely there was an awareness with, you know, people that follow movies online like us and definitely, you know, all all the YouTubers and people on Instagram and, and Twitter and all that people. But I don't know how much awareness there was with the general audience because also the trailers for this movie barely came out like two months ago. You know what I mean? Right. This isn't a movie where, like, they had released trailers uh, like a year in advance. Well, the, technically, there was like a little teaser that they made for s- DC's DC Some, fandom. Yeah, yeah. Um, they made a little teaser, like I think, like two years ago, maybe even more than that. I think that was, but before, that's, yeah, that's, that was all before the controversy. And uh, yeah, and but that's a trailer. That was a teaser that was kind of very kind of hidden and kind of very hard to find. Like it wasn't even like really released online. It was more part of a live stream. Yeah. So n- not a lot of people saw it. But once they really started to push the marketing, it was really just like two months ago, maybe three months ago at the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there really was a lack of awareness. And and uh, when I went to go see the movie on opening night, 
um, I, I remember you know being in line to buy popcorn. And uh, there were there were some guys walking by talking about they had, they were excited to see the return of uh, Michael Keaton's Batman, and there were a couple girls, uh, a couple of young ladies uh, in front of me, and they were kind of talking amongst each other, saying like, "I didn't know there was a new Batman movie," and yeah, so I I, ju- I just think you know again again some again amongst kind of general audiences, there really was a lack of awareness for this. Let me ask you this question. Did we overestimate the popularity of the Flash as a character? Was it a wrong idea to maybe greenlight a solo movie for the Flash? No, mm-hmm. no, because um, the the Fla- Flashpoint is a great story. Yeah, the sure. character's great. Um, people love you know uh, speedsters. Also, I mean, they love the Quicksilver scenes in the X Men movies. The X Men movies that featured Quicksilver for the most part were were successful, and um. I, yeah, I think I think it's just uh, it's a lot of things kind of all clashing together. <laughs> and um, let's not forget the CW series that ran for like ten years. I mean, that's that that's the, that was the most. It's still the most successful superhero series ever of all time for CW. But this this version of Ezra Miller as a Flash, he wasn't really a big character with the other. No, films. no, of course. But I'm saying the Flash character, the Flash itself. I mean, it's as right, as right. Character, I'm just saying that people who went to see this movie f- this week probably went because of they they know the character from the other films and maybe that wasn't enough yeah that's a good that's a great point mike because um we have to remember while batman vs superman was massive <laughs> and you know man of steel was uh you know a serviceable success um justice league bombed you know yeah. justice league opening weekend made i think 90 million and that's a movie that featured you know batman and wonder woman aquaman um, it's, it's kind of amazing how Aquaman ended up being this like a billion dollar film and, uh, Aquaman's like really kind of like the, the one that's, um, kind of up in the air. Like I, I have no clue. I mean, they haven't even started the marketing for that movie. Um, if they're smart, they should really get awareness out for that movie. Cause I don't, I think there's a lot of people that don't even know there's an Aquaman movie coming out, <laughs> yeah. but, um, I mean, justice league was not a successful movie and that was flash's introduction really. So, and I, I think really, I, I mean, I really, I really enjoyed the flat plot. I, I watched the movie three times, but, um, I, I also think you, you need to have seen justice league to really kind of appreciate this movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't, again, I, I mean, a lot of people haven't seen it. And the other thing is it was also a very divisive movie, you know, yeah. not everyone loved it. It wasn't a crowd pleaser. So, um, that that hurts it also. He was also a divisive character in Justice League. Well, one more thing before we move on, because I think this also plays in part of why the movie kind of failed. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. It's almost yeah. the same type of movie. We're dealing with yeah. mul- multiverse concepts. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with characters from other dimensions. We're dealing with a young kid, uh, dealing with emotional issues and stuff. Did people just go to Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse and say, yeah, I really love this movie. And they go, why do I need to go to see The Flash when it's really kind of the same thing? I, I'll skip that or I'll just wait until it hits VOD or HBO Max or whatever. It's possible, but I, I it's it's just so sad that kind of Warner Brothers and DC always finds themselves in this situation. Because, um, I mean, 
they've been developing this movie for so long. Mm -hmm. They've been trying to make this Flashpoint movie for like what feels like a decade. (laughs) And it's like they they still get beaten, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like like multiple times by Marvel. Marvel's doing a whole multiverse saga. And unfortunately, it hasn't really been working besides, you know, Mm Spider-Verse. For the most part, it hasn't been working for Marvel. And that's another thing that probably hurt this, you know? And that's why, in part, I say maybe they should have just released The Flash last year or maybe even earlier this year. I don't know. I mean, just just be, just to get it be, uh, before Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, with this film, The Flash, it was it was hardly any. I mean, it was just so I, I can't blame multiverse on that. No, I'm just saying that people went to see the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and they loved that movie. Yeah. And, and basically it took some of that uh, excitement away from The Flash. No, I don't think so. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think it, it, it affected it. I mean, the only thing it affected is that it's just another superhero movie at the t- at the same time. Well, then that leads to a different question. You talked about superhero fatigue. Maybe we're going through something more different, something more permanent. Superhero burnout. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we got you know we got a couple more uh, comic book movies coming out this year, and I don't think they're going to mm-hmm. do that well. You don't think Craven's going to be a massive hit? <laughs> I think Craven's going to be a, a bigger hit than The Flash. And I just saw that horrible t- trailer today. But I think it's going to be a bigger hit than The Flash because it's uh, it has a connection with the video game. And that's why I kind of brought up the video game uh, aspect for Spider-Man last week. Last week. Because I think yeah. there's much more there's much more excitement around video games. And I think when, when younger people see superheroes or comic books, they see... Oh, that's an old person's genre or, or, or pop culture reference. I'm not into that or I'm, I'm getting tired of that, you know? So I think there's, a, there is a generational divide between older millennials and young Gen Zers. And I think Gen Zers love video games and they love anime. And I think that's the major appeal, the major appeal in Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. I think you're right, and I think this might be a problem with Warner Brothers in general, because I think Warner Brothers, their whole catalog, in many ways, I feel is more adult. Yeah. Like, all of it. Mm-hmm. And um, as much as they try to maybe appeal to a younger audience, and even when they make movies that were like, you know, this should be a success, like, you know, Shazam or whatever, mm-hmm. the first one. Mm-hmm. You know, they just they just don't know how to market it, or I don't know, something just backfires. Maybe it's just like you know, um, I don't know. There's there's just something about Warner Brothers where that they, they have a difficult time reaching a young audience, but that's going to change with Barbie. Uh, we got to talk about the other big box office disappointment. It's uh, Pixar's Elemental, which opened at number two. And it's uh, one of the, I think it's the lowest Pixar opening mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever. So yeah. what does this say about the the future of Pixar? And if you are like uh, those guys who got fired from Lightyear, you got to be pissed off because <laughs> you got to be saying, hey, maybe the, you shouldn't fire us. You should have fired the guys behind the Elemental because at least Lightyear did a little bit better than this. Well, the, the sad thing about Elemental is that I'm I'm seeing like online that the audience reaction for the movie is actually very positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the people that have been watching the movie seem to really be enjoying it. I think what's been hurting it is that Elemental looks super lame. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, the it's the look itself. Yeah. Yeah. The movie, the movie has been horribly mm-hmm. marketed. 
and it, it, it even even the whole pitch of it was kind of like it's Pixar's first like romantic comedy. That's not cool. Yeah. You know what is cool though? Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Yes, it's definitely. And I cool. think that yeah. has been that has been taking the kind of family audience away from Elemental, I think. Mm-hmm. And also, um, while it wasn't while it's definitely a, a box office failure, I think also Flash heard it a bit as well. And even Transformers and all these other movies, Little Mermaid, you know, there's a lot of movies marketed towards families right now. And um, Elemental just Pixar, it's, you know, Pixar's, you know, lamest effort. If you're Pixar, you know, let's say you, you uh, we just hired you to, to be an executive at Pixar. What do you do to just kind of change the direction? I'll well, say, to me, uh, if, if this was pitched to me, you know, uh, before... I would have said no uh, right away. I mean, it was like, it's like, like if someone sent me 20 years ago, if I was running Universal, it said box trolls. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> the same shit. Yeah. And people actually like box trolls, but that, exactly. yeah, that, I mean, that, I mean, that movie bombed, right? That, but the thing that is, movie um, looks like el- shit from the beginning. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. But elemental, elemental, um, I think, yeah, I'm with you. I, um, but I keep he- hearing a lot of positive positivity for the movie. I, he- I keep seeing audiences liked it. But the thing that people seem to like about it is the thing that Pixar kind of always does right. It's kind of that human element. Mm-hmm. And I I think like if I was running Pixar and I got handed Elemental, I'd be like, okay, this movie looks horrible, but let's take the stuff that works and, you know, put it to, you know, a good premise. Like, let's not do this whole, you know, water and fire and this whole Elemental idea, uh-huh. but the whole family human aspect that works, let's, you know, put that to something else. Like maybe, I don't know, like... Uh, um oh well they're i was gonna say pandas but i just remember they already did a panda movie last year <laughs> i remember a couple of years ago when i watched the mitchells versus the machine which is the sony that was awesome the sony picture animation uh that went to netflix. netflix and i remember thinking um man the animation here is just it's just so exciting so vibrant just doing things that's so different than what pixar's is doing and so if i was a young animator i would rather go to the studios behind the Mitchells versus the machines rather than Pixar, Sony, Sony, Sony or, you know, I'm going to uh, work on Spider-Man. Yeah. And so I, if I was Pixar, I would do whatever it takes to get Lord and Miller as a creative executive or to do some of the consulting for the new Pixar movies, because Lord and Miller, and I, I don't want to give all the credit to Lord and Miller, but they do fantastic job of producing and getting good talent. And, uh, their, their films, their animated films, are so much more exciting than than any of the recent Pixar movies, mm-hmm. which which you know we said before, uh, Elemental just feels like a carbon copy of a lot of different movies we've seen from Pixar. So yeah, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know what they're going to do. Obviously, they're not going to hire Lord and Miller, <laughs> you know. If they hired Lord and Miller, they'll probably just fire them mid production, <laughs> like Solo. I mean, if they ran out of ideas, I mean, they're going back to the well on, on a lot of things. And mm-hmm. They should have went back to Monsters, Inc. I mean, that, that's still something I mean, to it, work they, with. Didn't they announce, like, they're going to just do live-action versions of Pixar stuff? And I don't know. Because I didn't, like, Bob Iger announce, like, we're just going to do sequels to, yeah, you know, some of the yeah. bigger hits. Mm-hmm. Like, th- that's your answer to this? They're mm-hmm. going to do Toy Story 5, right? Yeah. And it's like, man, Toy Story 4 was already rough. Let's talk about the drops for uh, Spider-Man, Transformers, and Little Mermaid. Right. Because, um, you know, uh, I think Spider-Man uh, had a pretty good drop. Transformers had a miserable drop. Right. 
And um, I don't really know how to feel about Little Mermaid. Uh, it's doing all right. That's it's hanging in I there. Was expecting. But I mean, I would say Transformers: Rise of the Beast was a huge drop because you got you, last yeah. week it was number one. Now it's number four, mm-hmm. and it, it really yeah. feels like it. I, I'm sorry to say that it's 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 not the franchise reboot that they needed. It, and it's so crazy because like um, you know, I see most of the movies are you know playing in theaters right now, and out of all of them, Transformers is easily the biggest like a- applause and reaction that i've seen in, that i've heard in the theater all all year let's talk about the rest of the top 10 uh rich go ahead and give us the list come in number six is the blackening number seven guardians of the galaxy volume three number eight is the boogeyman number nine is fast x and round on the top 10 is asteroid city um yeah i thought the blackening was definitely going to open much bigger than this but i also thought it was going to open to like double the theaters that it was actually you know playing in Mm. so i i mean i think considering the theater count it actually did pretty decent pretty well enough yeah i mean not a great number i mean not a great start yeah guardians though still hanging in there very well but we'll see let's move forward and let's look ahead at this coming up week rich tell us what movies are coming out in the wide release in theaters Opening up and wide this weekend is No Hard Feelings. This is the new R-rated outrageous comedy in which Jennifer Lawrence stars as a cash-strapped slacker who accepts an unusual job dating a 19-year-old nerdy introvert and teaching him the art of carefree living, only to discover that breaking through his shell is no easy feat. Also expanding into wide release this weekend is Wes Anderson's Asteroid City and A24's Past Lives. So really, the only big wide release this week is No Hard Feelings. It's a rated R comedy, so I'm not expecting that much. I think it's projected to hit somewhere between 10 million to 20 million. So here's the the, the silver lining for for the Flash is that the Flash might end up being number one again for a second week. Uh, what's your thoughts on No Hard Feelings? It does seem like people are really, at least online, people online seem to really be enjoying the trailers for this movie and the marketing for it. Mm-hmm. I don't think the movie looks funny and i also have been kind of kind of burnt out on jennifer lawrence like she's a great actress but but this is like her first movie in a long time (laughs) i mean yeah it is and it's also from the directors of good boys and you know i I, i'm not a fan of this uh of this team this Uh comedy team that's making this movie um so i just i don't have a lot of faith in this thing um but at the same time audiences seem to always really like really bad comedies and hmm. they tend to do really well at the box office so we we, we kind of talked about this about, about the state of comedy in film they seem to be kind of stuck in early 2000s maybe early 2010s they kind of still stuck in that uh judd apatow type of comedy where if you're watching comedy on tv they're doing a lot more innovative stuff creative. i mean yeah creative yeah. stuff they're doing something uh, you know, we talked about Barry. We talked about how much we love Dave. We there's just stuff. You know, people saying Succession was a comedy. You know, sure, mm-hmm. okay, it's it's a it's a really dark satire. But there are like really kind of great creative things that's happening on the small small screen. But when it comes to the big screen, they're kind of really stuck in the old ages. There's they're, they're not really mm-hmm. improving or they're not really taking yeah, risks. I, I would take it a step further. I don't even think I don't even think that. Um, uh, no hard feelings. Like looks like a Judd Apatow movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it looks more like the type of uh, teen sex comedy that I got when I was a little kid, like in the early two thousands. Uh, I get vibes from that um, DJ Qualls Eddie Griffin movie, uh, The New Guy. 
<laughs> where like DJ DJ Qualls learns how to be a cool guy from Eddie Griffin in jail. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's the vibe I get from from this movie. And based off the director's previous work, that's kind of what you should expect from this movie. So I wouldn't I wouldn't expect I wouldn't be surprised if this is just garbage. But garbage comedies tend to do well at the box office. So, you know, I, I'm a, I, I'm actually one of those guys on the online who actually really thought the trailer looked funny. <laughs> but my thought was that is Gen Zers going to laugh at themselves because that they're they're, ten, they're the joke mm. of, they're the butt of the joke, and oh. the theater the theater audience is mostly comprised of Gen Zers. And so, you know, we got Jennifer Lawrence, who's now in her 30s, so she's a kind of an older millennial. It's, you know, it's talking about the kind of the generational divide between those two generations. And I don't know, I don't know if this is going to hit as, as, uh, hit as hard as... That's a good point, because, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence is playing someone, like, from, from my generation, um... And uh, yeah, Gen Zers don't don't seem to really like people. <laughs> you know, I think there's a so, really uh, divide a divide between those two. Let's also let's be let's be real for a minute. Okay, we're talking about Gen Zers that are on Twitter and you know social media. That's not that's not all you know young people. Uh huh. You know what I mean? It's not. <laughs> I could sort of no no. So, <laughs> um, I think a lot of people don't care. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? I, right. I think a lot of people is like this. This is. This, this is, is stupid st- comedy. This is stupid comedy. I'm, I'm going to enjoy myself no matter what. Yes. Yes. But so. I also thought of that about the blackening. <laughs> you know, I thought the blackening <laughs> was going to be a lot bigger. Yeah. We both said we both said this before that we really hope comedy comes back to the big screen. You know, rated R comedies. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm not, I'm not sure if this movie is going to be the one that kind of breaks through and launches a new wave of R rated comedies. But I hope so. I did like the trailer. Like I said, I did like the trailer. So I'm hoping it's good. We'll see how the numbers pan out. Uh, what's your thoughts on Wes Anderson's Astro City and also A24's Past Lives opening in more theaters this weekend? A few years ago, I would have said Astro City guaranteed to crack the top five. But but the response that we have been seeing for this movie from his fans yeah. has been so negative. I mean, his last movie also didn't do very well. It opened during the pandemic, but it is horrible horribly for Wes Anderson. Mm. And I, I think this is going to do even worse. You might be right about that. A uh, past lives, uh, another sleeper hit for a two four. It's, I don't know if it's going to do any more business than that. The good thing is that it, it doesn't need to, you know yes, what I mean? Yes. And I think a two four is actually very smart of promoting their films. They know what, tar- what groups to target and they have done a very good job of, of targeting those people and, they have their own, you know, A two four has their own kind of fan base, you know. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. also, yeah, I have, I have, I have nothing to like back this up, but I, I get the feeling that a, a lot of the um, A twenty four fan base is probably like people like me, and a lot of the A twenty four movies, like if I don't see them in theaters, like if it's not something that immediately kind of, you know, the, that gra- grabs my attention and makes me feel that I, I need to see it in theaters, mm. you know, most of their movies I, I still watch and I, I buy them on, on Blu ray. Or on uh, on 4K Blu-ray if it's available on on, on that format, <laughs> and um, I, you know I think a lot of their fans are kind of cinephiles and stuff like that. Yes. And I think they are people that kind of do collect movies and do collect physical media, and I I, I think their their movies like if they're not big in theaters, they do kind of make it up in physical media sales. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. That's just my theory. But all right, let's talk about limited release. Rich, come on, give us what movies are coming out in limited release. 
Coming out on limited release is God is a Bullet. This is the new gritty revenge thriller that stars Game of Thrones star Nicolaj Coster-Waldau as an ex-detective seeking revenge on a punk satanic cult that has kidnapped his daughter. He is aided by a runaway street girl played by It Follows star Macca Monroe. Jamie Foxx also co-stars. Also coming out on limited release is Maximum Truth. This is the new political mockumentary starring comedian Ike Barinholtz as a conniving political operative who goes to great lengths to tear down a rival congressional candidate. And finally coming out on limited release is Shiro's. This is a new vacation gone wrong thriller in which Sasha Luss, Wallace Day, Isabel Furman, and Sky Jackson star as four best friends on a party-filled adventure in Thailand who unexpectedly face a deadly drug lord that challenges their skills in a fight for survival. Most of the movies that you, you said are mostly going to be coming out in VOD, I think. Yeah. Speaking of VOD, let's talk about streaming. What can people find on streaming, Rich? Coming out on streaming is The Perfect Fine, which you'll find on Netflix. This is a new rom-com that stars Gabriel Union as a fashion editor who accidentally falls in love with her boss's son. Also streaming on Disney Plus is World's Best. This is a new family-friendly comedy about a kid math genius who decides to pursue his late father's dream of becoming a rapper. And finally coming out on streaming is Evil Dead Rise. This is a new, the latest chapter in Sam Raimi's horror franchise. It makes its streaming debut this week on HBO Max, also known as Max. Yeah, so Evil Dead Rise, I'm look, I was not that big of a fan of it, but it is... Very gruesome and very, yes. very bloody. And um, I, I think it will work very well for people who want to watch something disgusting this mm. weekend. And like you said, Rich, it'll be available on Max. It was first intended for HBO Max. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Um, all right. That's it. That's it for now. Thank you for listening to uh, Inside Flicks. We'll be back next week. We'll see how well The Flash. The Flash well, does second week. Well, we'll see how well The Flash does for its second week. Also see if No Hard Feelings can take the top spot. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll be back next week, and we'll talk about the new movies coming out that week. So bye-bye, everyone.